We're um, continuing our, well, we're starting our series on set free. Basically setting uh, what the cross has done for us as we lead up to Easter and understand what the cross is all about. And I was liking this one as Dar was talking, you know, that the first part is rest. You know, you can't earn salvation. We really got to get that in our heads. We, we have this, this world system that says we have to strive and, and, and work hard and, and keep pushing in and, and be good enough. And then maybe God will. And that's the world system. The world says that. Jesus says, come to me or you are weary and heavy laden. And if you actually take the context of what he says there, he's saying, come and bring all that stuff and just lay it down. And he says, I'll give you rest. So we're going to go through what the cross has done for us, why Jesus died, you know. Did he die for nothing? Or did, he, did his death have a purpose? So today we're going, to, we're going to start out with being set free from sin. Now you may go, oh, I know this, you know, I'm here, I'm set free from sin. But do you really know it? Because it's one thing to know it up here. It's another thing to have it down here. Now, if you're here and you've never sinned and you're walking in perfection, then now's probably a good time to go grab a cup of coffee. You don't need to hear this. But the Bible says that we've all sinned, doesn't it? Yeah? We've all fallen short of God's glory? All right. Let's pray, shall we? Because praying's good. Turn the person next to you and say, we're praying. Time to agree. Father, we pray you come fill this place by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we want to welcome you here. We thank you that we've had the privilege of worshipping you. We've had the privilege of giving unto you. And now, Father, we seek to receive from you. We pray that the words spoken this morning be power. Let them be life. Let them change us. Let them heal us. Let them set us free. Let they be the words of heaven that we become more like Jesus. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Challenge us. Convict us. Heal us and make us whole. The Father be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles there, flick over to Romans chapter 8. If you go to the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. If you've got the SEC apps, you just scroll on down. It's nice and easy. If you haven't got the SEC app, you need to go home and download it. Sorry? It's really easy. Just go to Android. If you've got an iPod, go to the Apple Store. Type in South Central Church. Scroll through till you see SCC in big blue letters. Hit download. It's free. It's got all your Bible access. It's got everything that's happening around church. It's got what's going on. It's got daily readings. It's all there for you. And so when you rock into church, you can flick it over. And we're hoping over about the next three months 
sometime. During the service, you'll be able to access it and pick it all up during the service. The verses will pop up for you. You can have them all there for the end of the service. It'll all link in beautifully. Link in with the PowerPoints, everything. Give us about three months, a bit of technology challenge. We've got to set up a Wi-Fi system to do that. Romans chapter 8, we all there? Verse 1. There is therefore now, say now. Now is a really important word. Now keeps turning up in these amazing places in the Bible. And, and we look at now and we sort of gloss over now. But now in the Bible means now. See, because God is the I am. He's not the I was. He's not the I will be. He's the I am. So he likes now because now is now. You see, we, we often think when we read things about forgiveness or we read things about healing or, or God's blessing or God prospering us or God doing something in our lives, we always, we have this mentality we pray that it's something in the future. But God is not God of the future. He's the God of now. He is, I am. And Jesus said that. You know, they came to arrest him in the garden and they said, are you him? And he said, I am. And they all fell over. Why did they fall over? Because he was speaking the word of God and he spoke it with power so strong it knocked them over. He's the now God. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus right now, there is no condemnation in your life. You may be sitting here thinking, oh, but you don't know what I've done this week. I don't care what you've done this week. 1 John 1 9 says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, righteousness is one of those words that we throw around that we sort of, I don't know if we actually know what it means. But to put it in really simple terms, righteousness is right before God. And the only way you can be right before God is if you are without sin. There's no gray area. There's no becoming right before God. You're either right before God or you're not right before God. Does that make sense? You know, if I'm standing here in front of Hannah, I'm either in front of Hannah or I'm not in front of Hannah. There's no, you either are or you aren't, right? You know, in the cricket, you either win or you lose. Draws don't count. It was sad. It was just dismal to watch, wasn't it? Excuse me, I have a certificate at home that says you are a full-blooded Australian. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> For those of you who missed the cricket, Australia lost to New Zealand by one wicket, but dismally. Anyway, it's the same with God. All right? You're either right or you're not right. 
And the moment you confess your sin, he takes it and it's gone. It's, he says as far as the east is from the west. Now, the funny thing about the east and west is, you know, they never meet. Because if I'm standing here, right, in my direction is right, that's east, that's west. All right? They don't meet here. I have to go that way to go east. I have to go that way to go west. And I can't be going east and west at the same time. It's impossible. Does that make sense? That's how it is with God. He says, I've moved them so far apart, they can never meet. You can never meet your sin again. If you've confessed it, you can't meet it. And we feel condemned. Why? Because the world says that God's system isn't good enough. You have to earn your everything in your life. Like Dad was talking about the toil. You want something, you have to work for it. You have to earn it. That's the devil's system. It's the Babylonian system. But in God's system, he says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse you from your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So there is therefore now, now, no condemnation. So if you ever feel condemned, it's not from God. I don't know about you, but if it's not from God, I don't want it. Look like some of you, some of you feel like it's hard to get your head around this. This is simple truth. God is the God of now. You know, we have this conditioning that says, but there's no but in God. You know the only time the Bible says but when it comes to God? It says things like, Paul was afflicted, but God set him free. Joseph was in prison, but God raised him up. That's the only time there's a but when it comes to God is when he's taking you from down here and he's pulling you up here. Are we okay with this? All right. So how do we get to this point? Let me just read on verse 2. We don't walk according to the first one. We don't walk according to the flesh, we walk according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. You see, the law of sin and death says you have to earn your salvation. But verse 2 says you've been set free from that in Christ. You are no longer under the consequence of the law. For what the law could not do, in other words, what you could not do by being good enough in the flesh. It was weak, it says, through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness requirement of the law, in other words, the requirement of the law to live rightly. Anyone here lived a perfect life? No, you must be because you haven't got, you know, no one has because you didn't go get a coffee. But you know what? You know what's really amazing about that? We sit there and go, no, I haven't lived a perfect life. You know when God looks at you, he actually says you have. When God looks at you, he does not see any one of your sins. See, we have this thing that one day we're going to get up into heaven, 
You know, we're going to stand before Jesus and our whole life is going to be up there like a video. And we're going to watch it and, and you, know, you see people sort of hang their heads and they go, oh man, you know, people are going to see everything I've done wrong and all the times I've failed. That can't happen. If God has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, he said he's buried it in the deepest of sea. If he's saying it no longer exists, then he cannot bring it up in heaven because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what's going to happen on that video screen? At those times where you messed up, there's going to be a picture of Jesus. Because Jesus took it. It's never going to come up again. The only person who'll bring it up is you. And you know what God's going to say to you? I have no idea what you're talking about. Sorry, got no record of that. Must not happen. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. So that we don't have to walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You don't have to beat yourself up for the times that you've messed up anymore. Because if you've confessed them before God, they're gone. Gone. You get excited about that later. All right. So how do we get to, how do we go through this process of getting in the right place? How do we get ourselves right before God? It's really, really easy. Because the work was done when Jesus died on the cross. He said, for God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that he gave his only son, that was Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For he didn't come to condemn the world. Verse, 14 says, verse 17 says, but to save the world. Jesus did not come to condemn you. God never condemns you. He doesn't condemn anyone. You know, when people go to hell, God is not sending them there. He doesn't condemn them. He says, I give you a choice. And a person chooses whether they choose condemnation or they choose life. It's their choice. You know, people say, how can a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. He gives them the keys to heaven. But if they don't take the keys, yeah, if I said to you, I want to give you a brand new car. Here are the keys to my car. It's yours. And you never, ever take those keys. You'll never, ever experience the joy of driving my gets. <laughs> Someone asked me the other day, Phil, why do you drive a gets? So it's really simple. I'm teaching my daughters to drive. There is no other reason for driving my car. <laughs> it's the only car that the clutch can handle, the treatment that it takes. <laughs> hey, Rebecca. <laughs> it's on child number three, the poor thing. <laughs> I'd hate to see the shavings in the bottom of the gearbox, but yeah. But if I gave you the keys to my car and you never took it, you would never experience it. It's the same with God. He gives us the keys to heaven. But if we never take them, we never experience it. 
How do we get there? It's really, really simple. We get there by repentance. And I can give you verse after verse after verse on repentance, but I think we're pretty good with that one, right? That if you confess your sins, you know, John the Baptist said, repent, to turn from your wicked ways. And repentance is a simple word. It means going this way to repent is to turn 180 degrees and go the other way. It's to say to God, I've messed up. I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. Ask his forgiveness and to turn from your sin. That's repentance. And it's taking full responsibility for all of your sin. It's not sitting there going, well, I'm like this because my mum's like that. Or I'm like this because of how my dad treated me. Or I was my grandmother. It was my great aunt or four times removed on my mother's side. It was my teacher. You don't know what I went through. I was bullied when I was at school. And we come up with all these excuses as to why we are how we are. But the bottom line is, none of them are valid. We are responsible for us. Yes, bad things happen in life. You may have had bad experiences, but you need to let go of those things. You need to get over them. The amount of people I meet that that sit and wallow in their bad experiences, it's like, that was 10 years ago. You have to let go of it or it controls your life. Because I tell you what, when you stand before God, he's not going to go, oh, yes, it was your grandmother's fault. Oh, yeah, it was your bad boss. You know, we're always looking for excuses and reasons. But we are responsible for our actions. If you have reasons for your actions, then take them to God and get healed. Because he's the healer. I, I, I just can't get my head around people that that want to hold on to their stuff and won't let God heal them. And I think a part of that is we get afraid of what God will uncover in there, of what will be exposed, of being embarrassed before God. You know what's really incredible? God already knows. He knows it all. You're not telling him anything he doesn't know. Then is it maybe that we're worried that others will know about it? What if others find out? Who are you trying to please? God or men? I encourage you. And we all have stuff that comes our way through life. Deal with the stuff. Deal with the stuff. Face up to the hurt. Face up to the pain. You know, it's like pulling out a splinter. It may hurt when you're digging the thing out and pulling it out, but there's relief when it's done, yeah? That's what's like with God. He wants to pull the stuff out of your life. It may hurt for that moment, but the long-term relief is good. My second point, first one is to repent. I acknowledge you're wrong. The second thing is to receive forgiveness. 
you know, 1 John 1, 9, we've said, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you, receive that forgiveness. People say, oh, but you don't know what I've done. God does. And he still offers you forgiveness. If you've confessed the sin, let it go. It's actually not a part of your life anymore. You don't own it anymore. It's gone. Jesus has taken it. Receive forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Because what happens is, if you don't forgive yourself, two things. One, you're saying you're better than God because he's forgiven you. But two, you'll actually find yourself back in the sin. Because you will think of yourself in terms of, this is how I am. This is who I am. I am this. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. Now you're a child of God. The Bible actually says, co-heirs with Christ. So however the Father sees Jesus is how the Father sees you. Think about that. You are a co-heir with Jesus. Everything that Jesus has access to, you have access to. That's what it means to be a co-heir. I have two brothers. I obviously have parents as well. That's how you get alive. Don't know if that was a new revelation for anyone, but you know. But I've got two brothers. The three of us are all co-heirs equally under my parents. When the time comes for my parents to head on to heaven... We as co-heirs receive an equal inheritance. I'm the second child. I've got an older brother and younger brother. I'm not more of an heir than my younger brother or less of an heir than my older brother. We're co-heirs. We have full access to the estate of my parents. It's the same with Jesus. As a co-heir with him, you have exactly the same rights as Jesus before the Father. The Father doesn't see you different. You see, you know, John 3.16, he gave his only son, but he no longer has only one son. He now has a myriad of sons and daughters. All of us. That's why we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you getting it? Is it sinking in? All right, so receive forgiveness. True repentance is not to sin anymore. You want to stop sinning? Stop thinking of yourself as a sinner. Stop thinking to yourself, I have this weakness. Stop focusing on, I have this, I have this. You don't have it. It's gone from your life. As long as you think, I've got this, I've got this, you're going to keep going around and around and around. If it keeps coming around your life, then break the power of it and tell somebody. You got sin in your life that you keep facing and it keeps coming around, it keeps coming around, then confess it. James chapter 5, verse 16. If you've got your Bibles there, go there with me. James 5. You find Hebrews is just after Hebrews. James chapter 5. 
And James is talking here about often when people are sick, and he says, look, sometimes people are sick because they've got sin in their life they're holding on to. And a lot of it is not so much the sin they're not forgiven of, but they're seeing themselves in the context of that sin. And that opens the way for sickness. So James 5 says, Verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess to one another. You know, I mean, I think the Catholics have got a little bit right there. There is power in confessing your sin because, you see, when you speak it to somebody else, it breaks its power because the power of sin is in the secrecy. The power of sin is in the hidden. It's in the darkness. And the darkness is where Satan moves. He likes to move in the, in the you know, hiding in behind. He's not so much up front. He works in your life in the hidden places, whispering quietly. Because if he came out all blatant and went, hey, you know, come and do this, we go, well, that's obviously Satan. And hey, we don't want to do that. So let's not do that. But he comes in the quiet and convinces us and messes with our minds. If you don't renew your mind. And if you keep thinking of yourself as a sinner. If you keep thinking of yourself in the context of the sin. You have to renew your mind and say, no, that's not me. I am righteous. I am holy. I am right before my God. And if you're struggling with it, tell someone. I'm not saying come down the front here and announce it to the whole group, you know. But get get away quietly with the one, you know, I've been struggling with this. And it breaks the sin of it. Breaks the power of it. There's power in confession. Number three, if you're receiving forgiveness, give forgiveness. Do you know that your actual receiving forgiveness is conditional on your giving forgiveness? Matthew chapter 6. See, often we think of ourselves in terms of, of the sin. It's a bit like Jesus told this parable of, of a guy who... Um, who he was forgiven of this massive debt. So he owed about you know, $100,000 and... And he was forgiven of the debt. And he went out and he saw a guy that owed him $20. And he grabbed the guy and had him arrested and thrown in prison over $20 and said, you've got to pay it back because this guy couldn't get in his head that he'd been forgiven of his debt. And he was still trying to collect for his own. You've got to see yourself as forgiven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. This is just after the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us how to pray. And he says, if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. That's powerful, isn't it? The only way you can block forgiveness in your life that you're asking for is if you will not forgive others. It's there in red, so Jesus said it. Or if you haven't got red, it's there in black and white. But Jesus said that. You want to be forgiven. She's the measure that you forgive 
It's the measure you're forgiven. Over in, um, my tablet keeps stopping here, in Luke chapter 17. He's, you know, the disciples come and say, well, how many times do we have to forgive? He says, as many times as it takes. Seventy times seven. You just keep forgiving. You keep forgiving. Now, someone says to me, does that mean that if someone, you know, someone beats me up, I go away and forgive them, I come back, they beat me up. I go away and forgive them, I come back and they beat me up. You don't, you know, God never tells us to forget. Isn't that interesting? He forgets. But he actually never tells us to forget. He says, be wise. If someone keeps doing something to you, don't keep walking back into that situation. But don't hold it against them either. But be wise about it. Be wise about it. All right? Forgive. I want to reiterate here that forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. I don't know about you, but I rarely feel like forgiving somebody. <laughs> Unless there's some benefit for me, you know what I mean? <laughs> when someone does wrong by you, you know, you know I've, I've got this... I remember actually working for... Um, when I worked for the bank, I had one of my bosses was... He was just a very forthright, aggressive guy in the way he did life. You know, I saw him play football once. He played football the same way he did work. And he was always very aggressive and very, you know, and very easy on the wrong side of, you know, that sort of guy. And I remember coming in and and he chewed me out over something that had nothing to do with me whatsoever. I couldn't get a word in edgeways. And he was going on for about five minutes about blah, 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 blah. Then he walked out. And I didn't feel like forgiving him. He was absolutely wrong in the way he handled it and in what he said. And you know, your righteous indignation rises up and go, well, hold on, I had nothing to do with that. That's not my problem. I didn't do it. It's this other person and why should I take that? Did not feel like forgiving him. Felt like maybe hitting him. But you've got to choose to. Forgiveness is not about your feeling. It's about an act of your will. I choose. And you know what? As long as I wasn't going to forgive that guy, he had power over me. I was giving him authority. And suddenly everything comes in the context of that unforgiveness. And you give them power. But when you forgive, when you choose to, even if you don't feel like it, you know, yeah, you know you've forgiven somebody if you can bless them. Lord, I bless them. Bless them with your peace. Bless them with your love. Lord, I bless them with every good thing. Even though they don't deserve it. But you know what's amazing? You didn't deserve it either till Jesus, did you? So don't go and be all righteous on me, even though you are. (laughs) Forgive, it releases the power and it releases the blessing on your life as well as theirs. Be quick to forgive. If you don't forgive, you actually start to invite sickness. Because you step out of the blessing of God. And any time you step out of the blessing... 
you're in the no good territory. And you open yourself up to have an access for Satan to come in. And you know what I find about forgiveness? It really is the 70 times 7. Sometimes you just got to keep forgiving some people and keep forgiving some people and just keep forgiving some people. You know, especially family. Maybe extended family. Yeah. Maybe husband, wife. Not mine, of course. Are we good? All right, two more, really quickly. Number four, focus on God and what is good. We said this before, don't keep looking at the sin, look at God. I can remember when I was teaching um, Anna to drive. I can't do this. But um, we're actually up in Loo Shopping Centre. And in Loo Shopping Centre has got, got a couple of levels for their car park. And you go from the top level down to the next level. This is back before Sunday trading and you could drive in car parks. Now it's getting a challenge to teach kids to drive because, you know, when you're off the road, because there's nowhere to go. But she would drive from the top level down to the bottom level and there was probably about one and a half car lengths wide. And then there'd be this curb and then this concrete wall of this ramp going down. And six, seven times we're going down between them and she kept going over to the wall. It's not that long. It's probably about from me to the wall away, so it's not a long distance. But she'd go down, and halfway down, she'd start going to the side. And after about the seventh time, I said, where are you looking? She says, I'm looking at the wall so I don't hit it. And because she was looking at the wall, where did we go? To the wall. What you focus on is where you will go. What you focus on is what you'll become. If you see yourself as a no good, rotten sinner, then that is what you will be. If you see yourself as the sin, then that is what you will do. But if you look at God, you become like Him. If you look at what is good, then you do what is good. Make sense? If you're not happy with where you are, change where you're looking. And I'm not going down anymore because that's a whole other sermon and we'll be here another hour. Yeah? All right, number five. Final point, keep your feet clean. You know, when Jesus was there and, you know, we do the whole, I don't know about you, in the 80s and 90s, there was this obsession, whenever you went to a men's meeting, there was this obsession with washing feet. And, and you'd rock up to this meeting and, you know, and, you know, there'd be some men's meeting. And I think half the time it was because someone hadn't prepared something and it was their excuse to get around it. But you'd rock up and there'd just be bowls of water in the corner and towels. And you'd almost groan inside and go, no. Because I lived in Kalgoorlie and, you know, some really disgusting feet up there <laughs> in the dust and the heat. But they'd have this thing of, we all need to be servants. So we all need to wash each other's feet. That's actually not what that passage is about. The main message of that passage is actually to keep your feet clean. Jesus was showing, yes, you need to be a servant and we need to serve each other in love. That is the end there. But what he was actually doing, what he was saying, you know, Peter said to him, you know, I don't want any part of this, you can't serve me. And Jesus said, look, if I don't wash your feet, then you've got no part of me. Well, Peter said, well, wash all of me. Jesus said, no, you've missed it. I don't need to wash all of you. 
I just need to wash your feet. What was he saying? He's saying, look, you're already clean. I've already made you right before God. You've confessed your sin. You are holy and you are righteous. But as you walk through life, you're going to get a bit of dirt on your feet. In other words, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get in error. But you don't have to go, oh, I'm all unclean because you're not. All that you're doing is dirtying your feet. You don't lose your righteousness because you made a mistake. You don't suddenly become a sinner again because you stepped into a sin. You are still righteous before God because, you know what? As she says that Jesus' righteousness extends before the foundation of the earth. That the work of the cross was actually done in the heavenlies before the foundation of the earth. Before this earth was even made, Jesus died and rose again in the heavenlies. Because what happens on earth happens on heaven. So you were made righteous back then. You just need to accept that righteousness and wash your feet. When you mess up, just go to God, let him wash your feet. Yeah? You don't lose your righteousness. You just got dirt on your feet from traveling through life. Wash it off. Confess your sin. He'll forgive it. It's gone from your life. Yeah? Are we good? I want to encourage you as you go out. Keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with others. Where he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What he's saying is, end of every day, make sure your feet are clean. Make sure you're okay with God. Make sure you're okay with everybody else in your world. That you can start that next day fresh and new in him. Don't carry over to tomorrow what happened today. Don't carry today what happened yesterday. The cricket, it's gone. We don't carry it over. Australia will still win the World Cup. All will be equal. I prophesy. No. <laughs> Thus saith the... No. Although I'm sure it's somewhere in there. I oh, let it go. It's the past. New Zealand will get, see. I mean, it's. A, I mean, and this is this is. It's a bit of tongue in cheek. This is tongue in cheek, but it illustrates it. Any time you see a match between Australia and New Zealand, and it happened in the game yesterday, what do people talk about? Can anyone tell me? The underarm bowl. What was that? Fifteen, twenty years ago? Is it thirty years ago? It was 30 years ago, and even yesterday before the game, the joke was a couple of people out there doing underarm bowls. All right? It's like, let it go. See, we love to hold on to sin, don't we? We love to hold on to when people mess up, don't we? (laughs) I'm sure we have ours down the other way. (laughs) But let it go. Let it go. Don't carry in tomorrow. Let it go. Let's just um, close our eyes. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, you know what? I've been carrying a whole lot of stuff here. I've been, I've been carrying this load with me and, and 
And it's just, you know, I've had this burden on my life. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you just don't know where you stand with him. Maybe you accept him as your Lord and Savior, but you're carrying a whole lot of sin in your life, and you're going, I just need to get this off my life. I've been seeing myself in the context of a sinner rather than someone who is righteous before God, a righteous child of God. You can change your world right now. It's as simple as confessing your sin before God, receiving him afresh as your Lord and Savior, and making a choice to walk with him. I want to encourage everyone's got their eyes closed, their heads bowed. I want to say a prayer in a minute. And if you're saying, look, I just want to give my life to Jesus, either for the first time or I want to give my life back to him. I just want to make sure everything's right between him and me. I want to give my life into his hands. I want to be a part of that prayer. Just put your hand up and saying, I want to be in that prayer. I want Jesus in my life. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it back down once you put it up. Anyone else just saying, I want to be in that prayer? I want Jesus in my life afresh. All right, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we're going to pray together. And as I pray this prayer, I want you to pray with me. And as we pray this prayer, we're going to give our lives to Jesus afresh. And as we pray this prayer, at the end of this prayer, you are right before God. You are without sin. You are perfect and holy as Jesus is. Because that's what he promised. And nobody can take that away from you. And then all you have to do is keep your feet clean and keep short accounts with others and with him. Keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray this all together. And if you put your hand up, just put everything you've got into it. Speak these words out. Praying to God. Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. I repent of my sin right now. And if you've got a specific sin in your mind that just coming around and keeps coming around, then just confess it right now to him. It's going to take about 30 seconds. You just mutter under your breath. You just confess it out to him, saying, I repent of this. I repent of this. I repent of lust. I repent of anger. I repent of pornography. I repent of whatever it is. You just repent before him. Just speak it out. No sin's too big. You killed somebody. You repent of it. I thank you, Father, for your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. I choose to forgive anybody who has wronged me. I release them and I bless them in the name of Jesus. I choose today to follow Jesus and live my life for him. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that you may be glorified through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.
right now, you are shining beautifully. And all of heaven is going, woohoo! Party time. Because when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. I want to encourage you as you walk out of here throughout this week, just keep your feet clean. And when you start thinking, oh, this, no, no, I look like Jesus. Grow a beard if you want, especially you ladies. No. <laughs> but you look like Jesus right now. And the Father, the only time he's ever going, he's only ever going to see you as looking like Jesus. Walk in that. When you find that condemnation come, go, no, no, I look like Jesus. I'm right. That's gone from my life. Lord, bless you, keep you. May you walk in his blessing, prosperity, his healing, his health, his wholeness, his financial blessing, relationships blessed upon your life. May you know his joy and his peace as you go out this week. Hey, And bless you. Have a good week.